This is Bigger Pockets Daily, your daily dose of real estate information and education. I'm your host, Tyler, and the article I'm about to share is one of more than 10,000 blog articles available on biggerpockets.com. But you can't read the blog when you're working out or driving to look at a property. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Investing in self-storage. Why cap rates don't matter that much by Paul Moore. I could be put on trial for heresy for saying this, but I wouldn't be alone. You see, saying cap rates don't matter that much is almost like saying it doesn't matter how much you pay. Or worse, that it's different this time. But after making concrete statements in my second book on the cap rate range our firm wants to pay for new commercial real estate assets, I am modifying my opinion to say it doesn't matter nearly as much as I thought in the past. If you find the right asset. This brief podcast explains what I mean. How did this conversation start? My third real estate book was published by Bigger Pockets Publishing last month. It's called Storing Up Profits, Capitalize on America's Obsession with Stuff by Investing in Self-Storage. I also launched a Bigger Pockets video series concurrent with the book. The first episode went live just recently, and one of the first comments I received was, You guys need to do a much, much better job moderating comments on your videos. Also, storage facilities have a notoriously low cap rate there are far better RE investment opportunities. So I'm not sure what he meant about better moderating. Maybe he didn't like something about my hair. And 
totally understand that. Or it could have been those glasses. Nah, Bono and I are cool on this. Well, whatever it is, I understand. Anyway, the second comment is what I want to focus on here. He said self-storage cap rates are notoriously low, and there are far better real estate investment opportunities. I'm not going to argue about the cap rates. They are low, which means prices are high. Just like multifamily, and mobile home parks, and industrial, and single family. Most real estate assets, well, not malls and retail, are at historically low cap rates, and therefore at notoriously high prices. Let's explore what that means for a moment, and then I'll tell you why I don't think it matters as much as some would say. What is the cap rate? I wrote about this in detail in a prior post at biggerpockets.com. The cap rate is like the price per pound when buying meat, or vegetables for you vegans. It's the value or price if selling per dollar of net operating income. Specifically, the cap rate is defined as follows. Cap rate equals net operating income divided by value. So, the cap rate is the unleveraged return on investment. It is the expected unleveraged return on investment for the purchaser. So, for example, if the gross revenue on a self-storage facility is $160,000 annually and the operating expenses are 38.5%, the net operating income, NOI, is $100,000. If the acquisition price is $2 million, the cap rate is $100,000 divided by $2 million equals 5%. The cap rate is the price per dollar of net operating income. Make sense? The cap rate has been the standard historic measurement to gauge the value of commercial real estate. Investors will say, I'm buying this one for a 9% cap rate. Or, I sold it at a 6 cap. This is shorthand for saying, I sold an asset that had an unleveraged net operating income of 6% of the sale price. A 6 cap. The lower the cap rate, the higher the price. A 5% cap rate property is twice as expensive as a 10% cap rate property. This is because buyers must pay twice as much to get the same income on a 5-cap property as a 10-cap property. Put more clearly, in a 5% cap rate environment, a buyer will pay $2 million to get an annual income of $100,000. But in a 10% cap rate world, that buyer would only need to pay $1 million to get a $100,000 income stream. As markets heat up, which we've seen since the great financial crisis, cap rates compress, and U.S. cap rates are compressed to record levels right now. Some buyers are acquiring assets at 4% cap rates, some even lower, which causes buyers and pundits to say, the cap rates are too low. I'm not going to invest in this deal. Here's why I now think that is wrong-headed. Wrong-headed in some cases, at least, but accurate in others. The cap rate alone doesn't consider the operational situation or value-add opportunities. Here's what I mean. In 2016, I published a book humbly titled The Perfect Investment. It described the long view of the demographics and operational dynamics that make multifamily investing an excellent investment opportunity. I told readers that our company looked for large multifamily assets priced between a 6% and 8% cap rate. 
Cap rates have compressed a lot in five years since that book. Now, multifamily investors are acquiring apartments at cap rates in the 4% to 6% range. Recall the value formula for commercial real estate. Value equals net operating income divided by cap rate. This is a significant difference. To put this in perspective, an apartment asset with a $200,000 net operating income is valued at $3.33 million at a 6% cap rate. But that same asset with the same income is valued at $5 million just by shifting the cap rate to 4%. That is a 50% increase in value for a two-point cap rate shift in this case. For most apartments these days, I think that $5 million deal has a good bit of risk built in. Why? Though there are many exceptions, large apartments are generally upgraded these days. Most value-add opportunities are gone, since they are typically owned by professional operators. Most properties are fully upgraded and operating well. Multifamily has been the darling of commercial asset classes for the past decade. One study says that multi-asset owners own 93% of multifamily assets, over 50 units. Professionals who have bled the value adds out of their assets, leaving little upside for the next buyer, other than the hope of income increases from inflation. And hope isn't a sound business strategy. If you don't have a predictable way to increase the net operating income, then you'll likely be dependent on cap rates staying steady or compressing further. If cap rates expand, property values will decrease. And if leverage is high, you may find your property underwater. And you may be unable to refinance it. This could be the start of a death spiral. So, in these cases, the cap rate is critical. Most investors shouldn't buy a fully stabilized property at a severely compressed cap rate. Operational inefficiencies and value-add opportunities. I said the cap rate alone doesn't consider the operational situation or value-add opportunities. In the case of a fully stabilized property, like many apartments today, the cap rate may be a good predictor of future ROI performance. But in the case of poorly managed properties or assets with significant unlocked intrinsic value, the cap rate may be a poor indicator of future ROI performance. Why? Because the cap rate at the sale of a property reflects the value per dollar of NOI based on the prior owner's operation. If the previous owner was a poor manager with high costs and less than optimized revenues, then the cap rate may only reflect their poor operations, not your future operations. Bigger Pockets recently published my video on about 10 ways to add value to a self-storage property. These value adds include obvious items like raising rents to market levels, raising occupancy, and reducing delinquency. But they also include some opportunities to unlock hidden intrinsic value. For example, a mom-and-pop operator may do nothing with a few acres of vacant land while the community experiences a severe undersupply of outdoor boat and RV storage. Or they may utilize their office showroom only to rent units and sell their kids' raffle tickets. A professional operator may buy this facility at a 4.5% cap rate, which may look overpriced to the uninformed observer. 
But this pro will go to work to increase rates, reduce delinquency, raise occupancy, add boat RV storage, and sell retail items, locks, boxes, tape, and scissors from their remodeled showroom. And they sign a contract with U-Haul to lease trucks. Before long, this asset, if acquired at the previous price with the new NOI, would have been north of a 7% cap rate. This is why cap rates by themselves should not be the ultimate indicator of a commercial property's value and marketability. One example. My firm invested in a self-storage asset in Texas in 2019. It was acquired for $2.4 million cash from a declining mom-and-pop seller. The prior owner had no internet marketing, bloated expenses, and rents at about 20% to 30% below market. <laughs> 60 of its 600 units were seriously delinquent. Our operating partner quickly developed an online presence, raised rates, fixed delinquency, and added U-Haul leasing. The property appraised for $4.6 million within just four months and the operator added debt of $2 million, leaving only about half a million dollars in equity in the deal. The operator sold the property in under two years for $4.6 bucks. This provided investors with over $2 million in profit plus cash flow over the hold period, resulting in a multiple on invested equity of 4.6 times and an IRR of 70.5%. This means that each $100,000 invested in the project turned into $460,000 in less than two years. Ah, what about a zero cap rate? I've been waiting for the day when we get a zero cap rate deal. This is funny coming from an author who poo-pooed deals under 6% five years ago. A zero cap rate could be a deal that is so badly mismanaged that there is no income at all. High expenses, low occupancy, and low revenue could be symptoms of a deal like this. This could be a screaming deal for the right operator who knows how to analyze it and turn it around. I know several operators who might love to get their hands on assets like these. What asset classes have less cap rate relevancy? I mentioned the difference between multifamily assets and other asset types at this time. Chris Bennett is a self-storage guy. He did an analysis that noted that 76% of self-storage assets are owned by independent operators. About two-thirds of these are owned by mom-and-pop operators who only have one facility. Mom-and-pops own even a higher percentage of mobile home parks at up to 90%. I get nervous when looking at stabilized multifamily or any other class deals in the 3% to 4% cap rate range. But when I look at unstabilized self-storage or mobile home parks in this same range, I want to know the story behind the cap rate. For those that are poorly managed with lots of unlocked intrinsic value, I look for a potential deal with high projected ROI. So what about you? Do you think I'm a heretic? Or do you want to find your own unstabilized mom-and-pop commercial asset? Whether you're an active operator or a passive investor, I can't think of a better strategy to create safety and investor value. Oh, I hope you found this article helpful. If you're looking for more content like this, visit biggerpockets.com today to set up a free account. I'll talk to you tomorrow.